It's May 5th, and I just came back from Fonda, New York. I was at the Cattery Shrine. You know, Blessed Cattery Tekakwitha, the Lily of the Mohawks? She's going to be canonized in October this year. And what a beautiful and holy place. And it made me think that very often we go on holidays and we think about exotic locations or we end up in a, on a beach in the Caribbean. And while all that is good, do you fit in a little spiritual tourism in there? I'm not suggesting that you go on a pilgrimage, although that's good too. But do you make a side trip to visit that holy place? If you go to Montreal, do you go to visit St. Joseph's Oratory? Or on the way to skiing at Mount St. Anne, do you stop at the Shrine of St. Anne de Beaupre? I remember driving to the West Coast, and in Montana, we drove up a mountain to see the statue of Our Lady of the Rockies. And this last week, while I was at the Cattery Shrine, I thought, I should bring my family here. I mean, we could stop for a picnic at any rest stop, or we could come here and have a picnic at the shrine. And you can too. So now that it's May and we're beginning to think summer and summer holidays, don't just plan a fun vacation. Make sure that you find that holy place where you can also nourish your spirit. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is the Salt and Light Radio Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Radio Hour. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Today, Sister Marie Paul returns to review two films, films about animals. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be in about 20 minutes. And Andrew Santos will introduce us to the Saint of the Week. And Sheridan will bring us up to date with what's happening in dioceses across Canada. And Krista Matrenko is right here with me. Chris, what's in the headlines today? Well, we're going to talk about some changes to Caritas, which is one of the world's yeah. biggest development agencies, and also uh, an update on the ongoing controversy involving um, an organization that represents American women religious. And finally, right. there's a new Catholic app to tell you about. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Good. So details on all those stories is coming right up. But Chris, um, have you received your copy of Words Made Flesh yet? I did, yes. Yeah, just yesterday, actually. Oh, good. So you haven't had time to even start looking at it I guess well I um, glanced through it probably uh, yeah just glanced through it so far mm -hmm. okay so so that's a book that's been uh, written by our boss Father Tom Rosica uh, it's called words made flesh it's uh, biblical reflections for year B and there are th uh, two other uh, editions coming up for year A and year year C and year A as, as those years uh, come up um, and we're gonna be speaking with him today about him. Father Tom is a, a noted scripture scholar, so it's always exciting to talk to him about scripture. And that's going to be in our second half hour. And also in the second half hour, we'll be speaking with singer-songwriter Sarah Bauer. She's a new artist for us here at Salt and Light, but uh, she's been doing this for a while. In fact, I heard about her the f uh, first around World Youth Day 2005 in Germany. She's going to be telling us about her music and uh, about a web series that she has. And uh, we're going to start with one of her songs. Here is Sarah Bauer with Living for Jesus.
Sarah Bauer with Living for Jesus. We're going to be speaking with Sarah in our second half hour in about 15 minutes. Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first, Chris is uh, here with our news. Well, Pedro, a lot of our listeners would be familiar with Caritas Internationalis, although they're more likely to be familiar with the national chapters, Catholic Relief Service, services rather in the United States, and Development and Peace in Canada. And Caritas was in the news last year because the Vatican blocked the re-election of its Secretary General. They did that because there was concern that Caritas wasn't working closely enough in sync with the Church. The Vatican wanted to ensure that Caritas's Catholic identity was strengthened so it wouldn't be just become another NGO. Yes. Now, this past week, the Vatican announced some rules and a decree from the Secretary of State. Now, the new rules for Caritas are that top officials for Caritas are supposed to make an oath of Christian obedience to church leaders. Uh, Another of the rules is that the Vatican office that's going to oversee Caritas, or rather continues to oversee Caritas, is the Pontifical Council Cor Unum, and it has the power to approve any text that has doctrinal or moral content. So any text that Caritas releases that Mm -hmm. involves the doctrine of the church should be approved. And finally, uh, another of the rules uh, that Cor Unum must approve any agreements between Caritas and other NGOs. Now, that last rule is significant because there's been uh, an issue with, uh, particularly here in Canada with the Canadian chapter, Development and Peace, controversies over Development and Peace funding local groups for specific projects. But then what happens if those local groups are involved in other advocacy that might go against church teaching? Mm-hmm. So uh, navigating these, these partnerships with non-Catholic groups. Um, now, the Secretary General of Caritas, uh, Michael Roy, uh, he sees these changes as very positive. He says that the new rules and statutes clarify that Caritas is an organization at the service of the Holy See. So there is more Vatican accountability, but with that, is the assurance of the Vatican's support mm-hmm. for all the important work that they do. Now, uh, next, um, you know about the apostolic visitation of women religious. Yes. Well, 
Um, independent of this was a Vatican investigation of the Leadership Conference mm -hmm. of Women Religious, and that's a body that oversees about 80% of women religious orders in the United States. Now, the Vatican found what they called serious doctrinal errors with this leadership conference and appointed the Archbishop of Seattle, Peter Sartin, to guide a reform of the LWCR. Now, the American bishops were discussing this this past week um, with Vatican officials during their ad limina visits. Every five years, mm -hmm. or, or lately it's been closer to seven bishops from every uh, bishops conference around the world go to the Vatican and have yeah. discussions with the Pope and yeah. also different congregations. And they met with the Congregation for Religious, which um, oversees uh, groups like the LWCR. And uh, um, Archbishop Michael Sheehan of Santa Fe, and in, in a discussion with the Cardinal who oversees that congregation, uh, said that, you know, if this had happened several years earlier, it might have been better. But anyway, it's going on now, and I think it will be the occasion for some dialogue. So this is the take that most bishops are having, is they're trying to see this as, as positive. It's going to be certainly difficult, yeah. uh, this reform, but hopefully positive dialogue will result from it. Mm -hmm. Now, meanwhile, that uh, apostolic visitation of women religious that I spoke about at the beginning, um, they're awaiting the results of their apostolic visitation. Mm -hmm. Now, finally, uh, Pedro, do you have an iPad? Phone no, or I iPad? don't have a BlackBerry. I know a lot of people in the office do have yes. the iPhone. Yeah, and uh, and if they do, uh, it might if they if they're going to the International Eucharistic Congress this year, oh. um, their iPhone there's might be of some assistance to them because there's now uh, an IEC app for the International nice. Eucharistic Congress, and some of the things on this app it includes a pilgrim guide, a pastoral resources tool, um, news feeds and also information on programs that are happening around the main sites mm -hmm. of the Eucharistic Congress. And uh, pilgrims can download this app from the iTunes store by searching for IEC 2012. Don't know yet whether that app will come for you and I who uh, have Blackberries. Well, hey, uh, maybe, but it doesn't matter because I'm thinking of buying a mobile device of, a dev of another kind. Really? Yeah, but we'll see about that because there's also a salt and light app that's coming down the pipes. Stick mm. stick with the Canadian brand, with Pedro. The Canadian stick with brand. the Canadian brand. I love my BlackBerry. Anyway, thank you very much. Chris Dimitrenko, he's our salt and light radio news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, BlackBerry or iPhone, we'd love to hear from uh -oh. you. Our email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm Jillian Cantor, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Pedro, how are you? Good. This is going to be a great week because we have another interesting saint to talk about. A new well, saint. Uh, not a new saint, but a well, blessed this time okay. around. So, um, Catherine of Longpre. Um, Actually, her name is Blessed Catherine of St. Augustine, but we're going to look at her life story first. Yes, never heard of her. Catherine of Longpre was born on May the 3rd in the year 1632 at Saint-Sauveur-le-Vicomte in Normandy, France. Mm -hmm. uh, Catherine was baptized in her parish church, which is dedicated to St. John the Baptist. Um, St. John the Baptist, who would later become the patron saint for French Canadians. Uh, now, Catherine's parents had several children that we know of. Um, just three and a half years of age, 
Um, we know that Catherine had such a strong desire to accomplish God's will in everything that she did in her life. Mm -hmm. She did nothing without asking permission from a picture of the Virgin Mary that she had. And she revealed in her journal later on that the good mother answered her prayers and that um, she actually played with the child Jesus. Which wow. Is pretty interesting. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when she was 10, she signed in blood her total consecration to the what? Blessed Virgin. Yeah. In her own blood. In her using her own blood oh at the age of 10. Oh my gosh. In 1644, her and her sister, they knocked at the door of Hotel Dieu in Bayeux uh -huh. um, in France with the int intention of consecrating themselves totally to God. Okay. So, um, and also to the Hospitaller Sisters of the Mercy of Jesus. Uh huh. In 1646, she then took the religious habit um, at the same time as her grandmother, who, um, having been widowed, went to join her in the monastery. She took the name of Sister Marie Catherine of St. Augustine. On February 5th, 1663, uh, an amazing earthquake began across Canada that lasted seven long months. Across Canada? Across Canada. God granted Sister Marie Catherine the vision of this earthquake in Canada before it took place. Uh, just in order to incite her to pray and offer up, you know, the sins of those people um, in Canada. During the earthquake, interestingly enough, she offered herself as a holocaust. As so a sacrifice. As yeah. a sacrifice. So finally God allowed himself to be touched and permitted all the people to convert and prevent, like, you know, really bad earthquakes, which could have had a loss of life. She sailed to Canada af uh, from France on May the 31st, 1648. The crossing, we know, was very dangerous and it was long. It yep. lasted three months. Illness had caused many, many deaths. Sister Marie Catherine uh, herself, she became ill with an incurable disease while she was sailing over. She was going to die inevitably. And again, interestingly enough, Pedro, she saw a horrible dragon attacking her. But she knew that God wanted her in Canada and that um, God was watching over her and that the Blessed Virgin Mary would cure her wow. and send the dragon away. She arrived in Quebec City in August of 1648, and she died on May the 8th in the year 1668, which we celebrate the feast of. Do you know? No, I don't Saint know. St. Michael the Archangel. Okay. So uh, the beautiful soul of Sister Marie Catherine flew to heaven um, at the age of 36. Um, wow. And uh, all the people of Quebec City who came out to visit her body, they testified that she looked very peaceful. She uh -huh. looked so contemplative. Uh -huh. um, and it was just absolutely beautiful. So, for having offered her life for the church and the salvation of New France, Quebec, Blessed Marie Catherine of St. Augustine is considered the co-founder of the church in Canada. Really? And Blessed John Paul II, uh, who we just recently celebrated the first year of his beatification yep. on May the 1st. Yes. Um, he proclaimed her blessed on April the 23rd, 1989. Okay. So, this is an interesting story. Good. So, Blessed Catherine of St. Augustine. Augustine and her feast day or her memorial day is it's May Tuesday, May the 8th. May the 8th. Coming Thank up. you very much. Wow. I didn't know about her and I didn't know about her connection with Canada. I was very intrigued at, That's at the idea of the earthquake. That Yeah, I'd never even heard of that earthquake. Yeah. And wow. And she was here for 20 years. Wow. Interesting. Good. Another good saint to look up. Uh, and presumably she'll be canonized soon. So we'll oh. have some more. Canadian God willing. Saints. Yes. Praise God. Anyway, so thank you very much. Andrew Santos, our saint expert in about five minutes, what's happening across our country and the continent with Sheridan. So stay tuned. 
Hi, this is Chris Bray, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook. Our Twitter handle is Salt and Light TV. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be here, Pedro. Yes. So what do we have today? Well, I have a question for you, Pedro. Oh, do no. You have, <laughs> do you have a favorite animal movie? A favorite animal movie? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite one, but you know what? I, I, I love um, movies about dolphins, and I'm oh. going to say Free Willy is one of those that uh, really tugged at my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's I'm going to have to think about that one. It's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, Lassie, like I'm thinking about Lassie, and, yeah. and uh, oh, wow. Hmm. I find it really interesting. I'm, I'm a, uh, I read all the animal books that you could read as a kid. I mean, everything was out there, I think I read. The Charlotte's uh, Web count? Yes, I think so. Don't you? Yeah, I mean, it is all about movie. a spider and a pig. Yeah, Charlotte's <laughs> Web, definitely. It's interesting how movies about animals, while you know, often not really having much of a reference to God, still manage to highlight some of the best aspects of our humanity. Things okay. like dreams and compassion and persistence. So the first movie I want to talk about is War Horse, right. which is Steven Spielberg's first movie about World War I. And it's seen through the point of view of the horse. Or basically, we follow the horse as it goes through World War I. And it's, it's an amazing, broadly scoped film that allows us to see many aspects of World War I uh, from the British soldiers to the French peasants to the German soldiers, we get to see a little glimpse of all of that. Um, it's a very simple story. A farm horse with a lot of spunk, whose name is Joey, is sold from his idyllic farm life to uh, the British Army to serve during World War I. And Albert, the owner's son, has trained him, and his heart is broken. And, you know, by losing his horse, eventually he himself follows uh, Joey into the war. But... Really, for most of the film, we're following the horse. And we, you end up, be, I think maybe because Albert so desperately wants the horse to return, we end up hoping desperately that he will miraculously survive the hardships of war and return to his home on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to admire Spielberg for doing such a risky film. I mean, in some ways, this film feels very classic. But in other ways, it's about a horse. And, they, you know, there's no anthropomorphism here. We're not seeing things... We're not hearing the horse's voice in our head. It's very realistically The horse done. doesn't talk. Yeah, and yeah. can't talk. And we're no. going through various owners. Um, but we're getting a glimpse of what World War I was really like, and it's brilliant. Wow. Uh, the most powerful scene for me is at a break in one of the battles when soldiers on both sides see that Joey is trapped in barbed wire and can't get free. And so they, they call, like... They have this little truce where they both go and try to rescue this horse, soldiers from both sides. Nice. And it just it reminds us how something as simple as a horse can remind us of our humanity. Nice, good. So that's War Horse, and you have another film. Yeah, War Horse is a fictional story set in the real world. We Bought a Zoo is a true, is based on a it's true based story. It's based on a true story, yes. It is, yeah. It's, a, it's, you know, it's built as a comedy, but I found it a bit more of a drama, or maybe it's a combination of the two. Yeah. It's based on the true story of Benjamin Mee, 
who buys a zoo with his family. And the film stars Matt Damon, who gives a wonderful performance yeah. of a husband unable to stop grieving for the loss of his wife, even though he's caring for his two children, a teenage son and his seven-year-old daughter, Rosie. Mm-hmm. Um, he finally decides to move, um, thinking that'll help them to let go of the past. Um, and the house they fall in love with has a zoo. <laughs> nice. So that's the true part of the story. Um, the film has wonderful moments about grief and healing, and I think the struggles with the animals, I mean, obviously they've never owned a zoo before, um, become metaphors for the family trying to struggle with their grief and, you know, grow enough to be able to move forward. Mm-hmm. So the persistence, again, of Matt Damon's character is wonderful, um, and th- there are some really great lines that you don't think of much when you hear them the first time, but as you think about it later, you're like, wow, that was really kind of profound. So persistence is a quality that both of these films highlight, Pedro, and I, I recommend them for family viewing, especially with families with older children. Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious to see both of those, but I, I have been curious to see We Bought a, a Zoo. It sounds like a, like a, a good animal movie and i do like animal movies but i'm still thinking about i can't, I can't stop thinking about king kong or godzilla i guess those are animal movies <laughs> i guess too. those would qualify yes. yeah planet of the apes <laughs> anyway thank you very much so uh warhorse and we bought a zoo both great movies to rent with a family especially if you have older or young teenagers or older children Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. Hi, I'm Christian Matrenko, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio or also off iTunes. Here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hello, hello. It's springtime again, and of course... This brings to mind the renewal of all things, such as the renewal of our faith and the new evangelization. Mm -hmm. And as you well know, the Synod on the new evangelization will be this October, and it'll kick off the year of faith. So for those of you who don't know what the new evangelization is, it means to reach out to people who know the faith, but for whom the gospel message has lost its pizzazz. So in this sense, we're all in the same boat. We all have family family members and friends who have left the church. So it's up to us to sort of learn how to share and bear effective witness to our faith. And so with that in mind, I'm recommending that you check out this six-part series, um, study series on the theology of the new evangelization. And in the study course, um, you will refresh yourself on the teachings of the Catholic Church, uh, learn about the role of the Holy Spirit and Mary in the evangelization, Uh, Learn practical skills to effectively proclaim the gospel in your workplace or at home or in daily conversations. And also learn answers to questions and objections most Mm -hmm. commonly raised by atheists, agnostics, skeptics, and those who left the church. Yeah, so join the St. Therese School of Faith and Mission community for a week of study, prayer, and fellowship, including daily Mass and Eucharistic adoration, rosary, private prayer, and study. And that's going to be... um, in Bruno, Saskatchewan, St. Therese Institute. That's from Sunday, May the 13th through to Friday, May the 18th. And you can contact Carolyn at 306-369-2555 or visit Therese.ca. And what's really cool about their website is if you go there, you can actually check out, have a virtual tour. Okay, so you can check out good. the whole place and see what nice. it looks like and everything. Oh, interesting. Bruno, yes. Saskatchewan is like... Catholic Central for Canada. Yeah, and they've got a fantastic website, like really oh cool. Good. There's so many resources, there's tons of conferences going on, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. that's good. 
And now, if you actually want to experience the new evangelization in action, then I suggest kicking it up a notch and booking a retreat at the mission of Our Lady of the Angels, which is run by uh, Father Bob Lombardo of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Uh-huh. And they're located in Humboldt Park in Chicago's West Side, where their mission is to assist the poor and evangelize through an apostolate of prayer, retreats, and preaching. Now, Humboldt Park is one of the poorest neighborhoods in the city of Chicago, and I know that going to Chicago's West Side for a <laughs> retreat may not be like the locale for a spiritual <laughs> retreat, but trust it's me on good. this. It's good. It's trust me on this one. It's yeah. exactly what you need. Because Inner city, yeah, yeah. Because when I recently, I went down there to visit them, and when I just, I spent the time speaking with Alicia Torres, Sister Alicia Torres, and Father Bob Lombardo, and... I mean, if I wasn't already engaged, I would have run away and like joined them immediately because wow. you can't, I can't tell you how deeply inspired I was. You still can. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, first of all. not married yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Matthew, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, first of all, they just exude joy. I mean, being in their presence will just fill your heart with zeal and love for the Lord. And secondly, you don't have to go to overseas to, to serve no, the poor. You, you can do don't. that right here in Absolutely. our midst. And I think the most amazing part of this experience is that you will see how to do this, how to serve, and, and live firsthand that experience of living a life completely abandoned to the will of God. Mm -hmm. So there's just something contagious about that. And so um, the convent has been renovated and it has 35 rooms ready and waiting. Really? Yes, ready and waiting for your church or school or civic group to, to go there and book a retreat or a few days of service. And I highly recommend it. it is, you know, if you're a discerning religious life or even just if you're a lay person and you just want to be, you know, reignited with the love of God. Yeah, through I service. Mean, yeah, nice. um, I highly recommend that you check out the mission of Our Lady of the Angels. And like I said, when Pope Benedict talks about the new evangelization, this is where it's at. Yeah, good. Can so I just say, and if Chicago is impossible for you, every city has something like this. And I've heard that most congregations in Canada and the States have some sort of volunteer, you know, like the Franciscor yes. or the Jesuit volunteers. Yes. Like they all have something that you could join and participate. So just do a yeah, search just get and out find there. it. Yeah. yeah. And um, and don't forget to like us on Facebook, yes. facebook.com, saltandlighttv.org. Get your daily fix of inspiring quotes, Catholic buzz, and news updates from Rome and abroad. If you come to us, we'll come to you if you like us. Absolutely, if you like us. Is that it? Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Great. Thank you very much, uh, Sheridan Echelar. She's our events and more clearly <laughs> it's special and she apparently hangs out on facebook a lot so if you want to <laughs> get more of sheridan go to facebook yes um coming up in our second half hour we'll be speaking with father tom rosica about his new series his book words made flesh and with uh, our featured artist of the week sarah bauer so stay tuned Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Father Tom Rosica is the CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and the executive producer of this program. He's also a noted scripture scholar. 
Now, for many years now, he has been writing reflections for each Sunday of the liturgical cycle, and they have been so popular in the Zenit News Service for the last three years that readers from all over the world have responded to his positive message of the Roman Catholic faith. And now these reflections are available as a book titled Words Made Flesh. The reflections for liturgical year B are now available, and Father Tom Rosica joins me now to tell us all about his uh, scripture reflections. Father Tom, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Pedro, thanks for inviting me to our radio program. I know, finally, we, we, you're not running around, you're here. So, some people, I've heard people say that this is a book for, for people who do homilies to help them prepare, but is that really, or do you see a like, wider audience for these books? It's a much wider audience. Actually, let me tell you how the book came about, yep. because it's, it's a bit of a fascinating story. As you know, and as some people may remember, I was present at the Synod of Bishops in 2008, yeah. which was on the theme of the Word of God. I was mm. the English language media secretary, yeah, media yeah, attache. And we worked every day at the Synod. And one of my colleagues at the time, who was working from the Spanish desk, turned to me one day and said, you know, Father Cantalamesa is finishing his scripture cycle. And Father Raniero Cantalamesa is one of the greats. Preacher He's one of the, the big pope. Yeah. The preacher to the pope, the preacher of the papal household, a Capuchin Franciscan, a So he would write scholar. a weekly reflection? And he wrote it for three years on okay. the Zenith service, which was translated in many languages. Mm -hmm. So I turned to the fellow, Jesus, and said to him, yeah, that's nice. He did a great job. He said, we want you to take up and follow him and write the scripture reflections for the next three years. Okay. And so innocently, I said, okay, I'll do that. And I was worried about the synod more than anything else. Uh -huh. When I realized what was before me then, I literally went back home and began writing for Advent of 2008. Uh -huh. And it became a, a personal discipline to do this. I spent many hours in my room at mm -hmm. night. But actually, what I tried to do was not present ready-made homilies, because anybody could do that. Right. I used a method, I was kind of inspired by Cardinal William Laveda's talk at okay. the University of Notre Dame several years ago, where he said, the homily has to be not only on biblical reflection, exegesis, mm -hmm. but also bring together church tradition, the story of the church, great events of the church, the yeah. teaching of the popes, contemporary issues, and the lives of the saints. Yeah. Okay. And so what I tried to do in this, this three-year cycle was exactly that. I reflected on the Sunday readings. Sometimes I did the three readings, sometimes the gospel, sometimes the Old Testament, provided some scriptural perspective, situated it in the context of the lectionary, in the context of liturgical year, referred to certain feasts or solemnities, lives of the saints, right. and then talked about different events that were taking place. For example, in 2008, we had just come off of the wonderful experience of the World Youth the Day World in Sydney Day in and the International Eucharistic yeah. Congress. So I talked about the fruits of those events, looked forward to other events, talked, for example, in one of the cycles about the beatification of Blessed John Henry Cardinal mm -hmm. Newman, talked about John Paul II, talked about the fruits of World Youth Days. And so put something together that shows that our homilies really should be based on many things, mm -hmm. strong scriptural foundations, never a personal soapbox or platform, but also an opportunity to teach. Right. Now, as I was writing the weekly reflections for Zenit every week, they would be published on the Zenit service in English and French on Tuesday evenings. So because of the time zones in the world, by the time I woke up early on Wednesday morning, there would have been about 40 to 50 messages. Comments. And that number grew. But it was from all over creation, right. from Tanzania, from the Caroline Islands, 
from places that I've never heard of, from Africa. Yeah. And I realized that this was impacting catechists, lay people, priests, bishops, certain cardinals that would write. Everybody. And I said, something. this is obviously striking a chord because it's not locked in scientific historical exegesis or disputes about words, but this is breaking open the word for people. So I finished the cycle a year ago during Advent, the last Sunday of yeah, the, yeah, the liturgical yeah. year, and the bishops of Canada, the publication service, approached me and said, you know, this would be very good to publish in book form. Mm -hmm. So I said, why not? If it's been able to help people, then let's do this. So we went through the editing process, and I'm very happy to see that the first volume that came out, which is volume two in the trilogy, volume yeah. two simply because it's year B, year B, and the other two volumes, volume C, volume one and three are on my desk right now, and yeah. I'm just putting in the corrections and mm -hmm. filling in some gaps. So the one for next year, year C, will be out before the end of this year, and then right. year A the next year. The next year. So the idea then, because I love the title, that, that this is a book that can help people uh, make the word take flesh in their own heart. That's exactly right. Because it's not just scriptural, but it's pastoral. It exactly. It talks about it's, the saints. It's, it's for Catholics. It's for the Catholic community because, see, we're privileged in the Catholic community that we have the sacraments. The fullness. We have a rich tradition. Yeah. We have the magisterium. Mm -hmm. We have the saints. We have popular piety and devotion. And that's what I try to do is to bring all of that to this particular set, this right. trilogy. Yeah, of absolutely. I, I, I've been reading it every Saturday night to help me kind of situate the readings of the next day, the Sunday, but I, I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, now, there is a fourth book. Right. Now, <laughs> I, I, you know, I That's thought like I had enough bonus. to do. I had enough to do with these two because these three are in English and French right? because of the, the church in Canada. But then last November, during mm -hmm. the plenary of the bishops' conference, it was suggested to me by some bishops and also by the staff of the Canadian Bishops' Conference yeah. to put out a book reflections on the artwork mm -hmm. in the new roman missal for canada okay so i remember when it was proposed to me i said no that's a lot of work and then i said no i can draw from the three volumes from the three-year liturgical cycle and fill in the gaps because in the current new roman missal for canada that's been approved for canada right the canadian church chose some very beautiful artwork by a french artist uh tissot uh -huh. is his name and it's all artwork from the Holy Land, of Christ in the Holy Land. Right. And there's lovely, the, the artwork is, is uh, put throughout the missal mm -hmm. on different pages, different formats. And so I compiled all of that artwork, looked at the scripture quotation referring to it, and then wrote two pages of biblical reflections plus questions for reflection on the artwork. And the whole purpose of this is twofold. Most most Catholics will not be buying the New Roman Missal. It costs no. a fortune. <laughs> and, it's and they won't be buying the small version either yeah. because it's a brick. Yes. So this is an important way to take that artwork, which goes beyond the Missal. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful artwork. And to put that in the hands of people, of Bible study groups, of RCIA programs, mm -hmm. of chaplaincies, providing a solid biblical commentary, and then some questions for reflection, both personal and communal reflection, yeah. on the beautiful pieces of artwork. No, and I like that because... So, so, so often we get so, um, I guess because of the way of academia that you feel that you have to reflect on words. Right. But how easy it is to just look at a painting or a piece of art and then right. 
I mean, it doesn't take, at least for someone like me, it doesn't take much reflection. You can just take it in, breathe you it know, in. You know, I saw the so book for the first time on Sunday evening of this past week. I hadn't seen the finished product. It was delivered to my residence because we had a big book launch on mm -hmm. Monday of this week for the book. And I sat down in my residence and just opened the book. And I must say, it's laid out beautifully. The CCCB yeah. Publishing House used the same format of the New Roman Missal, the same quality of paper. The, the layout is really stunning. Yeah. And one, can, one even appreciates the artwork more beautifully in this book than they do in, the, they missal, do in the Missal. The Missal is for a select few. It's for presiders and those who are in churches, running churches. Right. But this particular book opens up the beautiful story to the multitudes. Yeah, no, that's, it's really good. And that one's called Reflections? It's called Where Jesus Walked. Where Jesus Walked. And the reason Ref being that yeah. so much of the artwork, all of the artwork, is really uh, done in the Holy Land. It's images of Jesus in the Holy Land, in Bethlehem, and teaching the Our right. Father, and on the Mount right. of the Beatitudes, and healing. The, the cover is really a magnificent image. It is a beautiful. It's the lowering of the paralytic. And you almost yeah. feel the action when you're watching that picture. You can feel the excitement of the crowd, the frustration of the poor owner of that house whose tiles were ripped off the roof. Yeah. And then this, this man with his arms flailing all over the place, the paralytic was being lowered, yeah. and Jesus is there to receive him. So there's a certain dynamic to the book that's quite beautiful. Yeah, no, all four books, great contributions to our uh, uh, Catholic nourishment. Um, so Where Jesus Walked, is the book on the reflections on the artwork of the Roman Missal, and then we have Words Made Flesh, Biblical Reflections for Year B, which is out already, and then Year A and Year C will be coming as, sorry, Year C and then Year A That's right. as the books come out. Well, thank That's you very right. much, Father Tom Rosica, um, my boss. It's been great to have you And you can the order program. these books through our yes. website. Yes, I will mention that for sure. Um, uh, Father Tom Rosica is the CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. He's the author also of Words Made Flesh, uh, volume 2, which is out right now, Liturgical Reflections for Year B, as well as uh, Where Jesus Walked. The books are published by the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops Publication Service, but you can find them at the Salt and Light store at saltandlighttv.org. Here now is our featured artist, Sarah Bauer, with her song, Extraordinary. Blending into the crowd
That was Sarah Bauer with her song, Extraordinary. Now, we don't have enough time to mention all of Sarah Bauer's musical accomplishments. Suffice it to say that her musical career began in the fifth grade. After her first CD, Delighting in Dreams, Sarah felt called to ministry with young people to challenge them to dream big and to recognize the great plans that God has for them. Now, after her third album, Radiance, Sarah has launched a new endeavor, a video magazine called Sarah Bauer TV. And to tell us about all of this stuff, I am now joined by Sarah Bauer. Sarah, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you so much. So one of the first things I noticed, um, when you go to your website, uh, sarahbauer.com, the little caption that pops up says, real woman, real faith, real rock. Yes. Where, where does that all come from, and what, what do you mean, real, real rock, real woman? Um, well, actually, I, um, uh, a few years ago, um, was really looking to kind of just find, really, really, like, find my identity as a, um, you know, as a ministry and as an artist, and um, so I... Uh, God really put someone really amazing into my life um, and helped me orchestrate, like, a, a board of directors for my ministry. Right. And um, we did a lot of brainstorming, and um, I just think really came up with uh, probably what I, I hope I hope it's true about my personality, but it's definitely <laughs> something that's really important to me, which is just to really be authentic, yeah. you know, like just to really to be really real. Uh-huh. Um and so that's kind of where that tagline stemmed from, um, was just that, you know, um, it's really important to me to just be real in, you know, every aspect of my life as, mm-hmm. you know, a woman and in my faith and in my music. So um, real woman, real faith, real rock. That's kind of where it came from. So rock, so, rock, yeah. re- rock refers to the music. Does it refer at all to just our faith also, that it's like rock, unmovable, or or eternal kind of thing, St. Peter the Rock? Because mm-hmm. that's the first thing it I could, thought. It could. Uh, I think the, that part is mostly the real faith and the real rock is that... The real music. Yeah, real music. <laughs> but that's, that's really good. <laughs> there I like you go. people you expanding can, on it. That's you, great. <laughs> you can start using it now. Um, yeah. You, I know that you grew up in a, in a musical home, right? Uh, like it was parents, sort of encouraged? Not really. I was I was definitely encouraged, but I'm kind of the lone oh, yeah? uh, musician on both sides of the family. Um, and I, you know, I married my um, my a dear friend and songwriting partner. We fell in love. Um, uh-huh. So I'm kind of hoping that my children have even more music around them than I did. Um, but my parents were definitely really great about just in. I think just seeing that I had a, a love and a passion for it, and I think just that it came really naturally to me. So, um, right. did yeah, you take, they encouraged did, piano lessons oh, and so voice you took lessons. lessons yeah. And, Good. Yeah. And did you, w- was it a, a, a Catholic upbringing? Was it, did you grow up going to Mass every Sunday kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew, I grew up, um, I'm a cradle Catholic, and yeah. grew up Catholic, and um, uh, I think, you know, definitely had a great foundation from my parents, but then I think kind of, um, you know, made my faith my own in high school, and Mm -hmm. um, that's, I think, what really kind of, you know, led me to really want to evangelize more and share it with, you know, other people, so. 
At what point did you kind of see the music and the faith sort of coming together in, in, in terms of ministry, I guess? Um, I, let's see. I mean, I did a lot of singing, um, you know, in grade school and junior high and high school. Yeah. Um, I was in, you know, musical theater at my school, and I sang at Mass yeah. every Sunday. Um, and I really think I just felt the most, um, myself when I was, mm-hmm. you know, sharing, um, when I was sharing and when I was, you know, doing music. So yeah. it was in college that I really started to just kind of discern what God wanted me to do with my life and, you know, where he was leading me. And, um, mm-hmm. I just, I just knew that music was supposed to be a part of my life and, um, that, you know, faith was, it was so important to me. It was just, ingrained in, you know, everything I did. I couldn't imagine um, not, right. you know, singing about God. You know, you can right. sing about lots of things, but um, it was definitely just made the most. And what was it? I don't know, felt the most at home. Yeah. And what was it after after you recorded your first album, Delighting in Dreams? What was it that sort of, because it seems from uh, from what I read about you that that sort of there was something that kind of helped you focus your ministry that you wanted to do some work with young adults or young people? Yeah, I, um, let's see, I recorded my first album uh, the summer before my last year of college. Yeah. And um, I was, um, I was kind of majoring in being, uh, in, in an education and being, wanted to be an English teacher, but yeah. it was really kind of like my fallback. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just realized this is just absolutely, I just knew it was what God was calling me to do, and um, I just, I did not have all the answers, I just had, did not know how it was going to work out, but I knew it was something I was supposed to pursue. Um, So I graduated from college, and um, my parents were really, really encouraging um, and gracious to encourage me to live at home and Hmm. just kind of figure all of this out. Um, And I had done a lot of work with... um, youth ministry, you know, with high school youth, and um, and I, you know, I just really kind of wanted to, you know, marry the two, if you will, together. Yeah. Um, so I did, yeah, I just started, I had that one CD, and I started, um, you know, singing anywhere where I got an invitation, and um, uh, then God just, you know, as He does, just continued to open doors and mm-hmm kind of plant the right people in my life, um, my husband being probably one of the most um, uh, instrumental, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he uh, just really, like, just had a passion for, you know, music and, you know, definitely a passion for being Catholic. And um, we became great friends and um, for two years just, you know, wrote a lot of music together um, for the second and third album, yeah. and um, I think he he just definitely was someone that kind of I got kind of caught up in like, well, how do we, how does this work, and how does you know how, what do we do about this? And he's definitely a very um, kind of take charge kind of person. He, you know, he yeah. like, well, we just need to put a band together, and you know, let's nice. find some musicians. And so yeah, so we put a band together and started traveling quite a bit, and um, yeah, God just kind of kept unfolding it all, you know, nice. over time. So And the, the, the Sarah Bauer T V, was that also an extension of the work that you were doing with young people or sort of where did that come from? Yeah, um 
I, um, when I was writing my the music for my third album, um, somebody came along and um, really wanted to donate to my ministry this um, this this video package, if you will. Uh-huh. And um, so I wanted to come up with something that was just kind of like, you know, kind of like reality TV, but that had, you know, a journey. And um, so we decided that I would write a song kind of about vocations. Yeah. After journeying through, you know, the four vocations that, you know, God yeah. kind of has given the church. And, um, and you know, I mean, it was a, just a you know, a beautiful time in my life because I was, um, I think I was actually dating my husband at this point, but I had, I mean, I had discerned the religious life pretty um, thoroughly and um, just really wanted to share that with people. I think just what I, what I found was that in my own searching for, from, you know, asking God what he wanted me to do with my life, um, I just feel like his message to everyone would just be, I want you to be happy, you know, I want you yes. to find what what lights you up, you know, what fulfills you, um, things that you're really good at, you know, that I just this message of really telling people that God, everyone has a gift, you know, mm-hmm. and um, something that will just light the world on fire if, you know, if we're doing what we're meant to do. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so I spent a day um, with each, with a priest, with a religious sister, um, with a family yeah. and with uh, um, a woman living a out person, her right? single vocation, yeah, yeah, and um, and it really it, w- it was it was very real actually because as the videos went on, I really did not have I really wasn't like I had this song written and then did the videos. I genuinely, it was the last song that I needed for the album. I needed one more song. Um, I wish I was a songwriter that like went into the <laughs> studio with like forty songs, but um. I go in with 11, <laughs> wanting to make 11 tracks. So, um, yeah, so the very last song that we wrote um, right before the video series concluded was um, Radiance. Yeah. And um, it really is just, uh, it's definitely my favorite song that, you know, right. that has come out of our ministry. And um, it's really just encouraging people to, you know, just let their light shine and, be who God calls to be. So you made four videos, once for yeah. each location. So those are the ones that people can find them. They can find them on YouTube if they do yes. a like Sarah Bauer search. Or if yes, they go to I your, believe so. Okay, uh-huh. good. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, nice. So that's all the time we have, Sarah. But uh, thank you for hmm, for sharing what you do with us. The music is great. I hope that you continue well, writing, you. even though you only have eleven songs at a time. That's a lot more than most people. Um, so I hope that you. I hope that you're working. I know that you're working on a on a on a child that's on on her way or on his way. So um, congratulations on, on that you. too. Um, but maybe there's more songs. I'm sure that there are with your husband. I'm sure. With the little one. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of inspiration. Just building it up right now. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, yep. it's been great meeting you and great chatting with you. And uh, hopefully, uh, we can stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was a delight to be on your show today. Thank you. That was Sarah Bauer. You can learn more about her and purchase her music at sarahbauer.com. That's Bauer, B-A-U-E-R.com. We're going to put that link on our site, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, so you can find it easily. Here now is Sarah with that song that she uh, spoke about, 
Radiance. Bowers Radiance, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Radio hours at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. And if you're on Twitter, you can follow us, and don't forget to like us on Facebook. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. We cannot do our work without your support, and thank you for listening. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been the Salt and Light Radio Hour.